Welcome to the weekly podcast all about turning the great American RV adventure into stress-less camping. Each week, we explore tips, tricks, ideas, and destinations, and talk to the happiest campers in the RV world. Pull up a seat at the campfire as we enjoy some stress-less camping. Welcome to the campfire. And the desert. And the desert. I'm Peggy. And I'm Tony. And we are two RV industry veterans who travel part-time in a small trailer. Looking to share big adventures and help you with great tips. Tricks. And discounts. We are (laughs) in the California desert. We are in the California desert and it got windy in the last 24 hours. We left where we were because tomorrow is supposed to be worse, and we yeah. didn't want to travel tomorrow, so we traveled today. So we're recording a little early, but you wouldn't have even known if we didn't tell you. Right. Well, yeah, later. We'll say it again. <laughs> well, when we okay. have the question of the week, we don't have answers for that yet. Ah, this is true. Yeah. Well, I forgot to post it last week, so oh, there you well, go. well, we really won't have answers. Yeah. But for now, let's talk about the weight of a generator. Yeah. So, talk about those big, heavy generators and getting them up and down into your pickup. Right. So there's a number of sizes of generator you can get if you're going to get what's called a portable generator, as opposed to one built into your rig, like a lot of... I'd say most motorhomes, a lot of fifth wheels. And a lot of toy haulers yeah, have generators built in. And some travel trailers. You don't have to worry about it. But if you don't have a built-in generator and you want to have 120 power on the road. While you're boondocking. Yeah, a generator is an option. Right. There's also dudes who have so much solar and <laughs> lithium true. batteries that an acre of solar on their roof of their trailer. Yeah, more bus. But anyway, anyway, we have two small generators and I know that they're easily liftable because when we had the Nissan without a shell, one time by necessity I lifted it all the way over the sidewall of the bed of the truck. So it's liftable, it's carryable. And we have two of them. We put them in tandem so that we get the power we need. But some people didn't go that route and some people like our friend Manya yeah. or our friend Belinda Crompton have generators that they just can't lift. For a travel trailer, typically like a 3,500 watt generator is pretty heavy. It's usually over 100 pounds. Like Manya's has push button start and all that. I mean, it's right. it's fancy. So it just lives there in her truck. Just stays in the truck. But Belinda wanted a way to take hers in and out of the truck. By herself. And she wasn't able to lift it. And so in the mini light group... Someone came up with an idea and she wound up buying... It looks sort of like a wheelchair lift, but it fits under a tonneau cover on the back of her pick-em-up truck and it can lift her 3,500-watt generator. So it almost, to me, and I may be wrong, but it looked like a winch on an arm rests against the side of the bed of the truck. And then when she wants to use it, she twists it out over the tailgate and hooks it up and then she can lift the generator with that mechanism. Yeah, like I say, to me what it looked like was, well, we'll show pictures of it on the Stressless Camping website. Look for episode number 82, which is what this one is, and there will be photos of this rig that Belinda had built, and it just swings out, lets her lift the generator into the back of the pickup truck, then she can close the tonneau cover if she chooses. Right. I was impressed. It was pretty clever. We have been on the road for a few days. We have, and we started our first night at a Harvest Host site. Yeah. 
great wines. It was a winery. It was a winery, Lucchese Winery. Yeah, off and, the beaten path. Oh, for sure. It was. We were, we really wondered if we were going the right way, but we were. And then we ended up in a beautiful vineyard with beautiful views and got a fantastic night with our harvest hosts. Yeah, it was it was terrific. It was some incredible views. We'll share the pictures also on our show notes. And this is just one of the many reasons to be a Harvest Host member. With Harvest Host, what you do is you sign up for membership and you do get a discount on our discounts and deals page on our website. Yes. And then you can stay in wineries, breweries, distilleries, museums, golf courses, all sorts of great places. There's no charge to do so. And many of them are places that you will want to take pictures of and share with your Instagram followers. Absolutely. And we love to stay at the vineyards because then we get good wine, good views, and have a good Harvest Host night. And we certainly did. This Lucchese Vineyard was terrific. They brought us a bottle of red and a bottle of white wine. They were both good. I drank all the red wine all by (laughs) myself in one night. So Check out Harvest Hosts, and that doubles, triples your opportunities for places to stay. you got campgrounds and Harvest Hosts. Beautiful places to stay. And you can find that on our discounts and deals page at stresslesscamping.com. We have a return guest, and you know, if you had a crystal ball, you might wonder, what is the future of camping and campgrounds? I think Mark might have a little bit of a crystal ball. That's true. Our guest is Mark <laughs> Kep from Campground Views, but he also does a lot of consulting for campgrounds, has a huge Facebook group where he keeps in touch with owners and managers of campgrounds and really knows the campground world. So So we asked for his inside information on what campgrounds and camping will look like in 2021. And here he is with some answers. Yes, Mark Kep from Campground Views. Mark, welcome back to the Stressless Camping Podcast. Thanks for joining us again. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here and, and happy new year here in 2021. Yeah, Absolutely. Yes. New year. You know, I think I think the best meme that I've seen for 2020-2021 transition is actually coming true and it said, "Hey, congratulations everybody. 2020 is now turning 21 and can drink." <laughs> <laughs> Sad but yeah, true. <laughs> that's that's very appropriate, right? <laughs> 2020 was nuts and I think 2021 is going to continue that, but the good thing is, is we don't talk about all the political stuff. We talk about camping, right? Absolutely. Right, absolutely. And even in that realm, it's crazy. And for those of you who don't know, not only does Mark own and run Campground Views, which is a really terrific website where you can go on and see campgrounds before you make a reservation. It's such a neat deal. But he also runs a great group of campground owners and managers and really has his finger on the pulse of what's happening in the campground world. Right. With that, that's kind of what we wanted to talk about is I perceive there's a huge shortage of campgrounds out there or places to go. I'll back up a little bit on our story. 12 years ago this June, my wife and I sold everything we owned. We bought an RV. We began traveling. And we saw firsthand what everybody experiences in the camping world where you call a park to make a booking. Nobody answers. They don't have an online form. You know, all the nightmare of actually trying to find an actual campground. And that was where we built campgroundviews.com. Not so much as a business, but a solution to the problem we had, right? And we assumed if we have the problem, other people have it. And so as time went along, we recognized that the campground owners, it's really the last small business in America. A large majority of the private parks are mom and pop owned. You know, it's their dream. It's their baby. They run it. 
it. And they're really successful. It's one of those few industries out there where you can still be an American entrepreneur, run a business and be successful at doing that. But to your point about running the Facebook group, we felt like we could help these owners better run their parks because if they're better running their parks, guess what? All of us campers are having a better time at their parks, right? They're improving their amenities. They're improving their customer service. And and we all feel it as guests of their park. And so we spent a lot of time helping them. And as we look into, I mean, you, we all experienced it in 2020. It was ground shaking. And actually, I'll, I'll put this perspective you know, for your listeners. You all remember March and April 2020 when the world was ending. Yeah. Imagine owning a campground and having every single one of your advanced bookings calling and canceling right. on every single one. And so yeah. we had multiple, and, and I'm talking hundreds of campgrounds and RV parks that were on the brink of bankruptcy come the 1st of May. Like literally they were looking at bankruptcy and then bam, May 1st happened. And all of a sudden the bookings started coming in and we had this record camping season last year, unless you're up in Alaska or certain areas that were completely locked down. But for the most part, our industry thrived. And so as we look ahead to 2021, there's a few big trends coming our way that all of us as campers who may have been camping for a longer period of time, guess what? We're going to have to deal with a few things. And the first and most important of which is there are a lot more campers out there now. Yes. Yeah. I think the industry claims they sold something like a half a million units last year. Well, yes. RVIA, they released some numbers back in July of 2020. And as of that moment, shipments of RVs were up 50% year over year. And the previous year was a record year. So they're up 50% of a record year. It's just, it's bonkers. It's nuts. I have friends who own RV dealers. I have friends who own campgrounds and it makes it interesting to have that basis of knowledge. Some of the RVs now are shipping with weird substitutions. Yes. (laughs) Like what? For example, dorm fridges instead of proper fridges that don't fit right. Yeah. And they're 120. So so they're AC fridges and they don't fit in the hole and they left the hole the right size so that eventually you can put the right fridge in, but she was saying they use the rubber flap. Yeah, they're the using rooms wiper seals to fill the gap. To hide the space. Oh. <laughs> hide the gap. Well, you know, on the used market, I know I've spoken to a lot of folks who are just like, you know, I just sold my RV for more than I bought it for yeah. to buyers because there's no inventory out there on these things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of RV shows that were canceled, but what are you going to see when there's no inventory? Right. So <laughs> when we see all these new campers, I think the other big trend is, is, is the folks buying these campers. I don't know about you, but in a lot of your listeners, but when we went to buy our RV, we did a lot of research in advance. Like we, we actually spent about a year studying, learning, you know, before we bought an RV. A lot of the folks who bought their RVs this last year, they literally said, how do we go on a vacation and get away from this? Let's buy an RV. Oh, okay. And they go down to the, the store and literally buy an RV. Yeah knowing yeah. nothing about yeah. it. And some of them bought them sight unseen. Yeah, they'll, like they'll call on the phone and yeah, we've got this, this, this. Okay, I'll be in and get it. And I'll sell have, it. Or what do you have that's being delivered, you know, coming down the road from the manufacturer? And if it's anywhere close to what they want without even looking at it, they'll leave a deposit. It's a weird way to, you know, one of the things I think RVers, and this is probably a challenge RV parks are seeing, RVers have always been this kind of small community of friendly folk. Yeah. 
and mm. RV enthusiasts like you, where you had done your research, we had done our research and really done a lot of looking into what it took to be an RVer. A lot of these people are showing up and they don't even know how to turn on the water heater. And so that's got to be a challenge RV parks are facing. It is. And they were really facing, you know, come like the end of July in 2020, that was where they really saw this just swarm of new RV. And, I, and when I say this, I'm not saying it in a negative tone. I'm just saying it as it is. So they saw this swarm of new RVers and and the owners within that Facebook group I mentioned, they were like, man, I wish we had some sort of guidelines or whatever. And this just shows how aware this is. We created a document. It was camping etiquette guidelines, right? Mm -hmm. And we just put it out there for free for the owners to give out. Like, you know, hand this out, print it out and hand it out. It's going to help people. You know, it's basic stuff. Don't walk through other people's sites. You know, keep your fires under control. Keep your pets on a leash. Keep your kids on a leash. We didn't have that line, but you know, it was basic (laughs) camping etiquette. And um, the funny thing was, is one of our team members was driving around town. He had the radio on and it was a hip hop station. And this was back in August and or September, right around there. A Geico commercial came on for RVs and he's listening to the Geico commercial. And at the end of the Geico commercial, it says, and go to campgroundviews.com and download the campground etiquette guide. And we're wow. like, what? Whoa. Wait, what a second. And we still can't get a hold of that radio commercial, but that just shows when you look at big national advertisers like Geico, they have all the smart people that do the market research. And even they are seeing that there's a lot of new campers in the space. And then again, it's not a negative thing. It's just something us as traditional campers, we need to be aware of that. It's, it really behooves us to help these folks out, help right. them have a good experience right. because how they treat our industry is going to define how our industry goes forward. Right. And that's something we were talking to some friends at dealers about is for the most part, these RV companies are stepping up and building good products. But if they don't, it's going to sour people on RVing. People who are new RVers who came and bought this RV with a little dorm refrigerator and they have to be plugged in in order to use their refrigerator, they're going to say, well, RVs are stupid. What's the big deal? Yeah. <laughs> That's a really interesting one. And I wonder if the manufacturer is going to ship them a refrigerator once they get it in stock. Or are you buying it as is and you have to, I mean, because an RV refrigerator, if you go to buy it, is they're about 1500 bucks. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. So that's not exactly something you're going to go install on your own. So it's a, that's an interesting story. I haven't heard that one, but I do know there's a large camping world down the road here. I go for bike rides by it and it's just watching their inventory shrink and shrink and shrink and yeah. shrink and not get filled up. It's a good thing and it's a bad thing. And the reason it's a bad thing is something did happen this last summer that's definitely not positive. And that was because of COVID, a lot of campers were looking to go to more remote areas. They wanted to get away from people. And one of the more popular things to do for campers and RVers is to go boondocking, right? You go oh, out yeah. in the middle of yeah. new park. In the Forest Service, it's called dispersed camping, right? So you go down a Forest Service road that's designated. And as long as you're within 100 feet of that road, you can set up camp and camp there for, you know, usually about 14 days. Yeah. Well, this last summer, the amount of resource damage, trash and destruction that occurred in those areas was so significant that there are a large number of both Forest Service and BLM areas that are actively, like right now, they're having meetings on closing their dispersed camping in those areas or seriously restricting dispersed camping. And so that's going to have a direct impact because if folks want to go camping, those dispersed areas will be closed. They'll have to go to the campgrounds, which means less available sites for people who would want to stay in those campgrounds. So it's likely this summer, we're probably going to see a record number of campers again, and there's going to be less camping spots available because they're all going to be crammed into a little bit less inventory. And so it's going to be an interesting year for the camper. We're already hearing from private parks up in Wyoming. 
and up in Montana that are as of right now, it is January 11th, 2021. They are currently sold out this summer. Every single night is booked. Wow. It's totally nuts. So one of the things that we have been doing is offering an RV basic training camp where we take two days <laughs> and bring in new RVers and show them all the ins and outs, including etiquette, right? but also how systems work, how not to get in trouble, that kind of thing. So, yeah. And you're doing that in person? Yeah. So we get oh, a maximum great. of six RVs. We started it at Clear Lake Campground, who you know Lisa really yeah. well, and it was very successful. We even had people who were so interested in the class. We did one in December, although we had planned not to. We did actually two unscheduled camps. We anticipated ending in October because then we knew the weather would still be good. And then in November, we had a group that was like, please, please, please do one in November. And we're like, well, it's not raining yet. So, okay. <laughs> and from that, another spinoff group said, please, please, please do another one. So we did one in December while the weather was still good. It brings up a good point about, I was actually just talking about this with somebody last week. You know, we started a podcast at Campground View. So I was doing that on Facebook. And one of the other things that we're seeing because these parks are filled up in the summertime and because people are actually looking to go camping to get away, you know, to escape, we're starting to lose that seasonality of the business. Traditionally, camping is Memorial Day to Labor Day. Yeah. But I actually have a buddy who's never been camping before in his life. They're one of these new people. They went out and bought a pickup truck. So they bought an, an F-150 and then huh. they bought a trailer and they have gone camping three times now since they bought the trailer in October. And they went in October, they went in November and they went in December camping and that's weird right it's not yeah. it's not right? traditionally the camping time <laughs> so how do they like it they love it they oh, love that's it good. they were up in the prescott area or prescott how you know i always mispronounce they were up there and just some beautiful photos and, and you know i don't know about you but i actually like camping when it's cold you know if you have a nice 60 degree day and it drops down into the 30s at night you, know, you get under the covers you, you get sleep all good, it's fresh air yeah. i enjoy that person yeah yeah campfire if you're allowed yeah so any tips for finding camping and opportunities because I agree I think it's going to get tighter. The biggest one is opening your horizon. So one of the things a lot of folks want to do is they want to camp at the same spot every time, right? Or they want to camp at a certain spot. Absolutely. Yeah. And the big thing is to open your horizon up, spread out your search radius, have more options available to you. Don't require yourself to camp on the valley floor in Yosemite. Be willing to travel a little bit to go to some more unique locations. So that, that'll actually be key in 2021 is being flexible enough to go outside of your normal place. My mother, for example, they just booked their trip and normally they go to West Yellowstone. And this year they're going out into a more re remote area of Montana instead. So they're spreading their areas. So that'd be first is, is actually opening up your search parameters. That's a good one. So the, once you've opened your search parameters up, the next thing to do is to understand the buying habits of your fellow RVers. And like I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of people that are already booking their trips now for the future. Mm -hmm. They don't know what their schedule is going to be like in June, right? They don't know. And so what ends up happening, and it's inevitable at every campground, no matter how booked up they are going to be cancellations. And so right. this was actually, this has always been our little secret. And, and when I share this with you, understand that we travel with a 44 foot fifth wheel. I'm not exactly <laughs> going to slide into any site, right? You know, but this has always been our trick. We've never made advanced bookings. We always call the morning of and get a site. And I'll say nowadays it's about seven times out of 10. It used to be nine times out of 10, but seven times out of 10, they'll have a site available to us. So we'll call, we want to go to this place. We'll call them in the morning and say, Hey, we're pulling out with a 44 foot rig. Seven times out of 10, they'll be like, Oh, that's excellent. We just had a cancellation, got a perfect slot for you. We'll fit you in. 
That requires step one, though. So what I do in advance of my travels, I say, okay, I want to go to this place right here, this campground. But then I set up five follow through. So option Mm. two, option three, option four, option five. And then that morning of when I make those calls, I go through that list in that order. One, two, three, four, five. Usually by the time I get to site three or four, if if it's really crowded, I'll get a site at one of those campgrounds that I found. And so it sounds like it requires a bit of work, but I'm more of an adventure type. So I'm I'm actually open to that versus actually saying, nah, I'm going to plan three months in advance. I absolutely have to go here, no matter if it's raining, if it's storming, if there's traffic, I have to get on the road that day because I have to get there. You know, I, I like being a little bit more free. Yeah. And then if you, if you've got it all scheduled out like that and you go someplace and you really love it, you can't stay an extra day because you've got reservations and all the next places. So you've got to stay on schedule. Yes. It was like National Lampoon's, um, his big vacation when he goes yeah. out to California to go to Magic Mountain, right? He had to be there. And so he's, he's rushing the family through the desert. Whereas if he's actually flexible, you know, he could have had a lot more fun and maybe not jumped his car into the middle of the desert. <laughs> right. <laughs> or on Edna up on the roof. Yeah. Holy cow. <laughs> the, bull, the poor dog off the back. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. oh, such a yeah. great movie. Well, that's a great i appreciate that tip because i literally today i'm gonna be looking at a trip and so instead of finding a place in each destination i'm gonna find four yeah that's (laughs) a that's a great trip and that leads into the number three then is so if you're planning your trip and you absolutely have to be in a certain spot on a certain date that's when you actually make a reservation so you know in your trip you know maybe one or two spots you absolutely have to be there at this certain time this certain place that's when you do make your advanced reservations otherwise i i like to free form it and obviously one of the tools is to look at campground views to see what the places are like yeah find good spots yeah i always (laughs) I always appreciate plugs and it works on your phone too. So you can have it and just pull it up on your web browser on your phone. And it it works really well with that. You can pull up the map and see your destinations and all Mm -hmm. that type of stuff. Yeah, we are currently planning our, we had every intention of going to Quartzsite and we even had a booth at the Midway and last night we decided, no. No Arizona for us. I'm currently in Mesa, Arizona. It's beautiful here right now, but I, it may have been a smart move. We've heard that Quartzsite is not what it is normally. It's, it's actually kind of chill right now and there's not a lot of vendors. I mean, people are, are being careful depending upon your health characteristics and your, and your risk tolerance and so forth. You know, it, it may not be a bad choice not to go. With those tips, it those are some fantastic tips, but from what I understand, you have something even better coming down the pike. Yeah. Yeah. So campground views, the whole idea behind what we built is the visual to allow you to see the park, right? Because it's one thing to read reviews. It's another thing to actually see the sites, see the other campers, see the roads. And so originally we started with regular videos. And then a few years ago, we transferred over into 360 videos. This allows you kind of like a Google Street View to go through the campgrounds and RV parks. And we have that for a lot of the national parks like Yellowstone, Rocky Mountain National Park. If you go to campground views, you'll see those 360 tours allows you to tour those campgrounds. And people love that experience experience, but there is a functionality problem with it. Usually the site markers, you know, the numbers one, two, three, four, five are really mm-hmm. small yeah. and it's hard to see them. You don't know what site number you're looking at. The people utilizing our experience said to us, Hey, we love this, but we wish we could see the site numbers. And we said, Hey, let's uh, here, hold my beer. Let's go, let's go a little <laughs> further. And we built a technology that combines the 360 tour, like you see with an augmented layer. So overlaying that 360 is the site numbers. 
So you'll see what site numbers you're looking at. And then when you click on those site numbers, you'll see what the information about that site, you know, how big it is, the details of it, and if it's available for your stay. And there will be an option for you to click directly on that site and book it. And wow. so we've built that wow. technology. This last summer, during the summer of 2020, a team went out and captured over 400 locations, every single recreation.gov property in Arizona, Utah, Colorado, Wyoming, Montana, Idaho, and Nevada. All of those states that basically 20% of people that go to recreation.gov properties want to go to, we now have 360 video and we can build this. And this is where our big announcement comes in. We need your help. We need to know if you actually want this. So beginning February 1st, we're running a crowdfunding campaign and you can raise your hand and say, hey, I love that idea, Mark. We want to see it go to market or you don't. And we don't bring this thing to market. I think people are going to love it. I think it'll fundamentally change and improve the way we all find campgrounds and RV parks. And it'll help us go back to my tip one about opening your horizons because it's going to give you more information about those other options that are available to you. Wow, that is really game changing. I would love love to see that i'm gonna be february 1st there with my <laughs> wallet open, with your wallet open. <laughs> it looks like we're gonna run it through uh, there's a, several different crowdfunding platforms out there it looks like we're gonna do it through indiegogo okay. and i'll send you some links as we get this thing going Great, obviously perfect. we're gonna do a big push as a camper i want this and it's funny you know my, my buddy that I, I told you bought an rv here he actually has access to our 360 videos that we captured and he used them these are pre-production videos to plan this trip and once he did that I said, so what did you think? Because he's never been an RVer. Basically, people who don't RV in camp look at me like I'm nuts when I tell them this because they don't get it. <laughs> now that he owns an RV, he's like, this is going to change the world. Like He's literally like, this is, <laughs> this is it. This is amazing. I can imagine. I mean, that is just a game changer because there are so many RV parks now where you can't see what the sites are like on the ground level and you can't even book without sending a check or waiting for them to call you back three days later from a voicemail and that would be fantastic. I may be wrong on this, but I think campers and and folks that adventure like that are self-reliant. They want to take control of their experience and I think this type of tool gives you that control, right? You can actually see it. You can see if the site's big enough. Everybody knows this phrase, national parks and forests only allow you in if you have a 35 foot rig or smaller, right? right. Everybody's right. heard that. And that everybody knows that then they go to one of those campgrounds like, I could have fit my 40 foot rig in here. Look at <laughs> I could have fit right in that site. It's one of those things where if you see it, you would know, or, or in other cases, there's no way in heck I could have got my 40 foot rig in there. I would have hit that tree, that tree, and that tree, <laughs> right. you know, vice versa. There was a park we stayed at and I have a 19 foot travel trailer and I can back up fine. I have no issues with it. And I was having some trouble getting that into that i'm like what is this designed for i think tents. i think over the years california state parks well sure tents and smaller rigs but it seems almost as though they reversed the direction of the loop because there were two parks that if we were going the other direction he would have had half as much trouble <laughs> But because the arrow said to go that way, then he had to make like a steep turn around a tree and and it happened twice this summer. And we're like, next time, let's just ignore the arrow. We'll get in and out a lot easier. Let them yell at me. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the good thing is most of the camp hosts will will know you know what you're doing if you go the opposite way. Like, oh, that guy knows what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. Or he's just a complete idiot. (laughs) (laughs) And you could could always plead either one depending upon the reaction to you. You'd be like, right? I, I, Whoa, I didn't know. 
<laughs> and in, in both cases, there is some merit. So, <laughs> Well, actually, and that, that leads to another tip for folks who are going out camping and planning their trips. This is something we do because we have a big RV. We never just drive into a campground and drive up to the campsite. I will always park, get out, and walk the route right. to where I'm going and kind of get a feel for it. it. It's a good tip, and it does another thing. And you guys have been camping long enough that you know this, but a lot of folks miss this. You get a lot of stress driving your RV to a campground. You know, you're, you're watching your mirrors, you're paying attention, you're getting cut off. You arrive at that distance station with a large volume of stress. Yeah. And as you know, as a camper, it's usually very entertaining to see those stressed out people <laughs> pull into a campground because, you know, they're going to start yelling at the wife, backing into trees, you know, doing all this crazy stuff. Don't be that person. My recommendation, because I get stressed out driving, you know, I'm driving a 44 foot rig. I have a huge amount of respect for truck drivers after towing this thing around. Yeah. It's a stressful process. Yeah. And so arriving at the campground, I will park, get out, take a deep breath and then walk <laughs> through the campground. That way, when I get back in the truck, I'm relaxed, I'm chilled and I slow down and we look like pros then because you just chill out, you pull up the site, you easily back in, you park, you're good. It's a nice little tip to make your camping stay enjoyable because you drop that stress before you get into your site. That's a good tip. And I'm going to add just a little plus to that. We sort of do that, but then we plug in our search suppressor before we even back into a site. And if the electricity is no good, I can go back to the campground host and say, hey, I, I want a different site. Yeah, before going to all the trouble. How often does that trigger for you? Infrequently, but when it does, it's... It's useful. <laughs> yeah, it's useful. I would say if I went 100 nights, maybe three of those were yeah. I found bad power. So it's not very wow. frequent, but it's usually... Yeah, but it's enough where just one of those could destroy your equipment. Yeah, right. exactly. Right. And one of the times I was by myself, Tony wasn't with me, and I went to a spot and I plugged it. Well, I was already in, but then I, you know, put the surge suppressor in and then things didn't seem right. And I, I couldn't remember how it worked. So I took a little video of all the little lights that were shining on the surge suppressor and texted it to him and said, what does this mean? It means and he don't said, plug it in. means you use your batteries. <laughs> Yeah, because the the campground was full at that point. So. Yeah, it was a new site in a campground, and they just huh. hadn't got it hooked up right. And it was fine. I was only there for two days, so I didn't need the power. But it was just good that I checked. Speaking about power, that's something, I don't know that it's going to be a big deal in 2021, but as we look out over maybe a five to 10 year horizon, electricity utilities within the campgrounds are going to become a bigger and bigger deal because one of the big demand things that we're starting to see coming into camping is people with electrical vehicles pulling in and wanting to charge at these RV parks. But there's actually the way parks are designed. I, I'm not going to get too much into the details, but basically they're designed to handle your RV. They're yeah. not yeah. designed to handle charging of electric vehicles. And True. in order to handle electric vehicles, there has to be a significant investment in the electrical grid within a campground to support that. And so we will likely see utilities become a bigger deal as we go ahead, especially electric utilities at campgrounds. And you will likely see more direct charging of electric. So expect over the next five years where you will pay a site fee, say it's 20 bucks, and then you will be metered on your electric. So you actually have to pay your exact electric uses. I wouldn't be surprised to see that at all. And in theory, we are likely to see fully electric RVs where even the drive system is electric, I think. Yeah, at RVX, which was a couple of years ago, Forest River or Thor, one of them, they'll get mad at me if I get one. One of them displayed a fully electric RV. And then Marcus Limonis and Camping World, they just made an announcement here that they're going to start um, actually distributing fully electric RVs. And then I think everybody who'd pull 
Poles have seen those new Lordstown trucks, the mm-hmm. electric truck. Personally, I'm really excited about the electric trucks because anybody who's owned a diesel vehicle knows that the reason you own a diesel is that torque, right? That, that right. raw torque pulling power. These electric vehicles have unlimited torque. So you're going to see these trucks be able to tow things that are unbelievable. The question about stopping, that's a different conversation, but they'll be able to tow most anything. <laughs> you look at the GMC Hummer, if memory serves, it's got like a thousand foot pounds of torque. It's like, wow, it's, that's locomotive grade there. <laughs> that is, yeah. And probably their limiting factor is, you know, if they go any higher, they'll rip the rims off the car. Like that's probably the, it's probably computer limited. Oh yeah. At some point you exceed the ability for the tires to actually have wow. traction. You know, when you think about that, you know, it's exciting. It's going to change the game a little bit. I mean, Tesla's the hottest car maker going. And a lot of these Tesla owners, they actually are going to RV parks to charge. And what we're finding now is that they draw so much electric, it's actually a big draw off the loop. And so when you imagine, say you're hooked up, you're in an RV park, you're camping and your neighbor hooks up a Tesla to charge it. You actually should be concerned because that Tesla is probably going to draw down yeah. the overall amperage on that line. And you might notice your voltage drop on your pedestal because they're charging their Tesla. So that response right there, that's going to dictate that these parks upgrade their utilities. It's something just to think about in the back of your mind. You don't have to worry about it, but just know that the way you pay for and are charged for camping is likely going to change over the next few years. Now, if we could convince the parks to also put in decent Wi-Fi, we'd be miles ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's actually a company out there called Access Parks. These guys originally started out as military contractors. They would supply high-speed Wi-Fi to the soldiers in Afghanistan, right? So these soldiers in Afghanistan could stream, each of them. (laughs) Those guys sold that company off and and the founder bought an Airstream and started traveling and he was like, good God, the internet's terrible. I'm going to fix this. And so right now, like Yellowstone, Lake Mead National Recreation Area, and a few other national parks just got wired this last year for broadband internet to all of the general consumer areas where people would be to each device. So you would actually have broadband internet to your device. And they are now rolling that out for RV parks and campgrounds. So they've probably got about 25 parks right now that have that broadband speed to each device, not just each user, to each device inside that park. Okay, that's how I'm going to plan my next trip then. We're just going to jump from good Wi-Fi to good Wi-Fi. The heck with where they are. We're just going (laughs) to go to them. (laughs) It's a very good point because what you said is actually happening. So one of the big trends out of 2020 is people are now working remotely, both school and professional. You know, I've been a full-time RVer for, like I said, going on a dozen years. We started out young. I was 30 years old when we did this and we ran a digital company. And so I always use internet. Well, guess what? Everybody's figured out, hey, we can do that too. And so there's this massive demand for Wi-Fi. And as you noted, it's not really there yet at most locations. So the other, the flip side is you do your research is you're going to say, well, I can buy a Verizon unlimited plan or an AT&T unlimited plan. Those networks, those Verizon, AT&T, those 4G networks are now at a point of breaking. They're overloaded. And so we're having issues with connectivity on those networks now. And it's become a real hassle. Like for us, you know, we are actually stationary and Mesa and I had to get a Cox internet cable, like an actual wired cable to my rig in order to get internet to be able to do this stuff because the 4G networks are so overloaded. So overloaded in big cities like that. You know, I just posted this actually in RV Campground Owners Facebook group where I didn't post it. I responded. Somebody was bragging about the fact they don't have Wi-Fi and I said, well, here's why I wouldn't stay at your park. Yeah. Because I was at an RV park. Their Wi-Fi was, it was horrible. There's just 
just no other way to put it. And of course, some emergency, not an emergency, but you know, an issue cropped up and I couldn't fix it. And I had to go in COVID times and find a place where I could get, you know, like internet cafe type stuff, like a coffee shop. And so basically for some little five minute fix, it ruined an entire day of camping. And it's like, if they had just had good Wi-Fi or even mediocre Wi-Fi, I could have solved the problem and been on my merry way. Yeah. Yeah. There's some structural reasons why. So most campgrounds and RV parks are located in rural areas, right? Right. They're out out away from the city. And usually there's not a backbone there. There's not a fiber line running through the street. There's usually not even cable. So they're tied to doing DSL or satellite. And you can't take a DSL or satellite connection and share that with everybody and have any speed. And so what these guys at Access Parks are doing is, and I'm totally going to get the language wrong. If there's any tech guys out there, don't blame me. I don't know (laughs) Wi-Fi, just know how to use it. But they use these like directional radar dishes to beam a fiber signal to that park and then they spread that out. So that's that's how they're doing it. That's the magic of their service. But there are services out there and as more and more of these come online, you know, I'm excited actually about, we were talking about Tesla, Elon Musk has got this Starlink system. I don't know if yes. you've heard of that. Oh yeah. Where he's launching these satellites and apparently up in like the upper part of the US, you can get on a beta program and test this out, but he's promising like 5G speeds. If that thing pans out, you know, well, number one, we're not going to see as many stars because you have these satellites shooting around. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least have Wi-Fi and we can imagine what that looked like at one time. We can Google what the sky used to look like. <laughs> yeah, that's startling. The one thing I've heard is that the ping where, you know, like if you stream a video, you've got, let's say, 10 minutes of where it's just coming at you and that's good. But where it will be slow is when you say take me to stresslesscamping.com and there's a delay while your request goes to the satellite and the satellite then returns that i've heard that's where the delay is is in the pings but so what if i could just get most of what i need off starlink i'd be fine with that the satellites are lower orbit than the traditional satellites so there's not that latency issue Hmm. apparently they're saying it's going to be really fast one thing i think anybody's learned in the last decade is don't bet against elon musk i I think he's proven that he's going to do stuff. So I think it's probably one of the more exciting things coming down the pipe. And we'll see. We'll see how this thing all pans out. But one of the big things, probably there's some of your listeners out there that are like us, they're working professionals who are going out on the road with their family and so forth. Do consider your Wi-Fi and don't rely upon the park's Wi-Fi. You need to do your homework in advance and actually come prepared. We, as full-time RVers and run our business on this, we spend $300 a month for our internet connection. So we have Verizon Unlimited. We have AT&T Unlimited. We have Sprint Unlimited because we need this as a critical infrastructure for our business. So when I say that, a lot of people freak out like, you're nuts, but that's our business, right? In our case, it's our business. So if you're going to be working from the road, if you're going to be schooling from the road and be traveling for long periods of time, you may have to invest in that much craziness in order to have the ability to go and do your work. Right, yeah, and that's right. not too far distant from us. We have both AT&T and Verizon Unlimited solutions that we use and now, a cell phone booster. Do. Yeah. After that day of finding yeah, internet. <laughs> exactly. One last thing. One of the areas that I have advocated as opportunities for RVers is museums and other larger properties perhaps putting up a few campsites. Any thoughts on that kind of an idea? There is a park outside of St. Louis, Missouri. It is south west of there. It's called RV Self Park. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we had him as a guest a while back. Yeah, we had him as a guest. He's figured out a solution that's a fully automated RV parking system. So there's a number of people out there, including myself, who took a deep look at this possibility of creating automated RV parks. And Mm -hmm. and literally, your, your only hurdle to doing it 
it, your only risk is the risk of people being bad behaviors. You don't have somebody on site to tell them to knock it off and go to sleep. So that's really the only (laughs) risk. But should that technology get very easy to access, there is a potential where these other locations could install those utilities, you know, even a Walmart. I mean, it's always baffled me about Walmart. It's like, why don't they install pedestals, charge 10 bucks a night and make it a little bit more formal? Right. The reason is, is they don't want to go through the codes and they don't want to have to do all that stuff. There are both good and bad reasons to do that. I would recommend to take a look at places like New Zealand and Australia, where they have something called freedom camping. It's a big trend there. It's boondocking. And it's actually kind of sanctioned by the government. You can just go down to the really popular beaches if you have a camper van and set up and camp there. And as a result, once they started really promoting that, all of the private campgrounds that traditionally provide these services and utilities started going out of business. Why? Because it can't compete with free. Right. And right. so it, it's something to consider. You know, if we have enough demand that we can do that and support the businesses, great. But if it ends up taking away from our private parks, we as the campers need to ask, is it worth it? Is it okay for me to stay for free at Walmart? Am I okay if that's my only camping experience is Walmart because I put all the private parks out of business? So it's just something to consider if you go that route. That's yeah. good point. And there are people who like we have some friends that they don't really want to boondock. They know it happens. They know we do it. And they're like, yeah, I might go for a night, but then I need hookups. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, there's no wrong way to go other right. than just staying home. <laughs> yeah, right. So we've been uh, full time for 12 years and we have boondocked exactly one night. Wow. That entire period. One night. Wow. And that was an early on decision we made as a couple is the reasons we were doing this, right? We're different, right? We're, we're This is our home. So yeah. the reason we were doing this wasn't really, we weren't looking to rough it. We just wanted to be able to take our nice apartment to different areas. So mm-hmm. we stay with utilities, but it's, it's a decision you need to make as a couple. I don't fault anybody for standing at a Walmart. It's convenient. You got shopping right there. It's free. <laughs> but is it worth that rough night of sleep as vehicles are driving by you or right. maybe paying 25 bucks to stay at the campground down the road where you can get a good night's sleep and right. have utilities yeah. hooked up. It's, it's a call everybody needs to make on their own. That's true. We've stayed in parking lots. We do a lot of boondocking, but you know, in dispersed land and stuff. But there yeah. are also, there's a lot of nights we stay in campgrounds. I like having hookups, but I also like being out dispersed. So we kind of 50-50 it, you know, yeah. like, oh, let's just decide on the fly. That's cool. And there's nothing wrong with either one. As long as you're having fun and enjoying camping. That's the important part. Yep. And a lot of folks ask me why I do what I do. And I'll share that with you and your and your listeners. So my wife and I, like I said, we sold everything. We bought an RV. We figured we we're going to do it a year, year and a half, and then settle down. And we're, like I said, we're going on a dozen years. <laughs> and the reason we love it so much is is that camping is kind of, it's kind of like going back to the 50s. It's like what you imagine America wants. <laughs> was right yeah. it's, it's people connecting and smiling and saying hello and the kids can play and it's a good wholesome experience it also allows you to disconnect a little bit from technology disconnect a little bit from the insanity enjoy some time i think it's really important for people to be able to camp and travel and explore it's one of those last ways that it's available to us today to actually live a little bit so that's why we devote our time so much to helping people to do that yeah and you do such a good job of it already with campground views and with the idea of being able to book and see sites with that 3D view, that's just, I think that'll be a game changer. Yeah. We appreciate that. We'll send you the information as it comes out. And we'd love for, you know, any of your listeners who think it's a good idea, we'd love your support. If you think it's a bad idea, you know, keep that to yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll certainly share it. We think it's a great idea. And we'll invite our friends to do the same. Yeah. Share it or shush. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and to your point, yeah, one of the reasons we like camping is it's sort of like every day being in the Andy Griffith show. Yeah. <laughs> it is. You know, it, isn't it funny how you do that? You could feel like killing people on the road as you're driving there, but the second you pull into the campground, you're waving, hey, how's it going, everybody? <laughs> yeah, it's yep. true. Well, Mark, thank you again for your time and joining us again. It's always a pleasure to have you here. We got so much information out of this. I think our show notes are going to be quite long and extensive. <laughs> Indeed. I appreciate the opportunity. And hey, everybody, I wish you a good 2021. And like I led with, remember, 2020 is now drinking, so be safe. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. Happy camping, Mark. And we will hopefully catch you out there on the road. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. You know, I had to do some maintenance that was unplanned yeah, on our trip. We shouldn't have had to do it. No. <laughs> we are big fans of Lion Energy's lifetime warranty, dependable, reliable lithium batteries. And we are even more fans now that we <laughs> forgot to check our water in our Existing regular batteries. batteries. And we were having a little trouble keeping them charged and it seemed like they were dying too quickly. And so we did check the water and found that we needed to add water. A lot. A lot of water, more than we had expected. And so it's just one more nail in the coffin of regular cell batteries and yeah. one more step closer to getting Lion Energy lithium batteries. You know, we have this great discount for them on yeah. our discounts and deals page. <laughs> we ought to use it. Absolutely. People who have bought them have told us how much they love it. They can stay out longer. They charge faster. They charge fuller. There's zero maintenance. You can put them, you don't just have to put them sitting on their bottoms. You can put them on their sides. Since there's no liquid in them, they're just, it's the reliable way. They don't do any off-gassing or anything, no. so you can put them indoors if that's more convenient. We've got a great discount for you on dependable, lifetime-warrantied lithium Lion Energy batteries on our discounts and deals page. So we said that we've been traveling, and I really just have been jonesing for some desert time. And right now, as we record this, it's January. It's January, and it's cold at home. And well, rainy. actually, it was it was not cold when we left. It, it was getting up to 70 when we left also, because every year in Lake County, we have what I call fall spring. It's somewhere between one and eight days in January, where it gets to be like 70 degrees, the trees get all confused, everything starts blooming, and then it gets cold and starts freezing over again. And that's harsh on the plants. And it's kind of hard on me too. <laughs> yeah, but the point being is stinky, stinky winter. And I know some of you from the Midwest and such are like winter, California, hold my right, beer. Yeah. But I just don't like we it. We just don't like it. And so, you know, we've been telling you for the last few weeks that we were on our way to Quartzsite, Arizona. Mm -hmm. Well, we lied. We didn't well, we really didn't lie. lie. <laughs> we didn't really lie. We had we, every intention of we going. We changed our minds. We've realized that there's a whole bunch of COVID happening in that area. And we just thought it was safer not to do that. And so what we decided was to spend time in the California desert on our own. We I don't think we've talked to three people in six days. No, it's really weird. <laughs> we have been out. Well, we went boondocking in Rainbow Basin. Right. Which is where Peggy did a lot of her studies for when she got her master's in geology. In the beginning of, at Cal State Fullerton anyway, and probably mo a lot of Southern California colleges, beginning geology students learn to map 
geology. And Rainbow Basin is where I spent the first three weekends of my college geology class learning how to map Rainbow Basin. And it's geologically, it's pretty simple. It's a good starter for beginning geology students. It's gorgeous. And it's pretty, like I said, pretty simple geology, but it makes some really beautiful things to look at, even for people who aren't into geology. Yeah, and we'll share some pictures from our trip. It's got a lot of hiking for lazy people like me. <laughs> it has got, and I, you know, when we talk to the Fit RV, we plan your activity and then your adventure. Right. And we planned our activity, hiking and walking and such, and then our adventure, Rainbow Basin. And the weather's been up till today, the weather has been upper 60s, it's been, early, yes, low 70s. 60s to 70s. It's been beautiful. We came down through the eastern Sierras, through the Owens Valley, and worked our way into the desert. And so we stayed for a few days at Rainbow Basin and just enjoyed the view and enjoyed the weather. And today it was really windy. So instead of staying another night, because we know tomorrow is going to be even more windy, we moved on and we're farther east now. We'll probably talk about that next week. We're going to head into Death Valley for a day or two, maybe. Another reason we left is our storage tanks were full, the gray and black, and our freshwater tank was empty. Right. We've been boondocking. Until now, we've been boondocking the whole trip. Yeah. We haven't had any hookups or anything. So it's been a fun adventure. We do love to boondock, and we've done it probably more this time, more different places Maybe not more nights, but more different places of nights of boondocking, and including Rainbow Basin. It's called the Owl Canyon Campground at Rainbow Basin Natural Area. Yeah, six bucks a night. Yeah, six bucks a night. It's really washboard. Okay, wait a minute. It is crazy washboard going in. Here are the things that broke on our trailer going in. The stovetop, the support holding the black and gray tank pipe the mic stand on the way in i forgot to take the plate out of the microwave oh yeah and it fell out but nothing broke and at the same time the glass stovetop like wiggled in half you know where (laughs) where it's got the hinge things and that didn't break either and that fell out on the way out of there too so yeah both going in and coming out i can now say the glass on top of the stovetop is pretty darn strong it fell on the floor twice yeah well and there's more and it just stuff just wiggled it is truly a shakedown test for any rv that road it's totally washboarded but once you're in you're in and it's a great little campground there's no hookups but there's marked out sites and it wasn't very crowded which was kind of they were flat the sites had these metal shade buildings and concrete barbecues and they looked like they're brand spanking new they're beautiful shape i've not ever seen this that i can recall but there were concrete barbecues about counter height and then there was also a concrete and metal fire pit. Yeah, that was interesting. So that was kind of cool. So there was actually a little grate over the fire pit. So maybe you like to cook on your fire pit. But if you wanted more of a specific, put your charcoal in that concrete thing and yeah. use actual charcoal for cooking. And it had a nice grill over the top of it. So 
Very nice. Those things I don't remember being there when I was there in school, which was a it long time ago. <laughs> really new. Yeah, she was being taught on stone tablets. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was a long time ago. That stuff looked really, really new. And like I said, the place was in beautiful shape. We did not go to the outhouses. They have them. Right. But based on everything else, I would say they were pretty, probably very well maintained. Yeah. And then there's the loop that goes into Rainbow Basin proper. The campground is at Owl Canyon, and then the Rainbow Basin Loop is a one-way driving loop. I think it's, I don't know, seven miles or something, and it drives you through the basin, and there's a parking area so that you can get out and walk around and walk down the washes or up the slopes of the hills and climb around and slide around. And And this seven-mile loop, you could do it in any vehicle. I mean, we saw, like, cars there and SUVs and you know, you don't need any particular vehicle. Right, but uh, certainly not a trailer and maybe not even a truck with a camper on it because yeah. there are some pretty tight little sections and I would have been, and we have a shell on our full-size truck and wasn't scared, but it was pretty tight. narrow. <laughs> yeah, there were a couple of spots that were tight, but not so much so that I had any question that I was getting through. Right. So, but there was that one couple who stopped. Here we are hiking around and there's a couple of stops and they're like, does this end? What's next? I said, just keep driving. It goes in a loop. You'll get out eventually. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And they did. We saw them go out. Yeah, we saw them <laughs> hiking later and then we saw them leaving later. Yeah. So they had like a two-wheel drive like SUV type of deal. So it was all good. It's a beautiful place. It doesn't do justice to talk about it. So we'll share some photos on our website. Again, stresslesscamping.com. And then you go to podcast and episode 82. And also I'll have a simple explanation of the geology and we'll put that in the RV geologist section of the website as well. If you haven't found them, Peggy's got a few RV geologist articles and then she will add to that. And if you like geology as much as Peggy does, maybe something else to check out yeah. on the Stressless Camping website. As you know, we have been camping off the grid and we use a device called a Roadcaster Pro to record the podcast. And we also brought a couple of laptops with us because... Gotta work. <laughs> work doesn't end. And we do not have an inverter in our travel trailer. So obviously with the laptops and with the Roadcaster we still need 120 volt power. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, there are multiple ways of doing it, but I did bring a generator, but I don't want to run it. And I also have, for our sticks and bricks, Ego lawn tools. So we have a mower and a blower, and we've got a chainsaw and a bunch of other stuff. And the Ego line is based on a 56 volt battery. And one of the things that they came out with last year, and we may have even talked about this, but there is an inverter that you can snap on the back of that battery. We brought two Ego 56-volt batteries with us and running the Roadcaster and charging up both of the laptops over the past few days, that battery still shows green yeah. in terms of there's a window that you push a button and it shows how much battery is left. There's four little circles. All the circles are still lit. So it doesn't really take much power to run the Roadcaster or to charge the laptops, which is a good thing. But we did have those batteries we could do the same thing, as Tony said, with the generator, but a generator makes a lot of noise. And especially if we're trying to record, I don't know if you can hear it, but the wind outside is bad enough. Yeah, Adding it's crazy windy right that now. That would have been annoying. It was such a simple thing. So if you happen to have those Ego 
tools at home. I think it was 99 bucks or 150 bucks. There's an inverter. inverter. Yeah, the inverter itself that snaps onto those batteries. Man, that thing works great. I mean, obviously you can't run heaters on it or other high draw things, but laptops, electronics, that sort of thing, it's a champion at that. It really does a super job of running those electronics. And of course, it's nice, clean power because it's battery. Yeah. I'll put a link to that also in the show notes. Those show notes are going to be busy. Yeah, busy show notes. So that was a good gadget to have with us this time. Yeah, I like that thing. And it's relatively compact. It doesn't have any mechanical noise at all. It provides clean power. It's a cool gadget. Yep. There's your gadget of the week. We also have a question of the week, Indeed. as we do. Last week we asked you, and as I said, we're recording a little bit earlier than usual, so we don't have answers yet. So next week you get a bonus of hearing two sets of answers. <laughs> Last week we asked, what is your favorite method of cooking? Do you use the kitchen indoors? Do you use an outdoor kitchen? Do you only use the fire pit? Things like that. And then this week, bum, bum, bum. our question for you is, does it? make a difference to you if you stay at an RV park and there are permanent residents. People who, for whatever reason, live in the park rather than, let's say, people who travel full-time and are at the RV park. Permanent Permanent residents of an RV park. Right. Does that affect your experience at all? We have an answer and I'll share it over on our Facebook page. That might be something that some people find good or bad. It's up to you. And I'd like to know if what you are thinking of this. So join us. That is on our Facebook group, the Stressless Camping Podcast Facebook group. So go and weigh in if you're on Facebook. We'd, we'd love to hear what you have to say. We would. Well, there you go. There you go. We are staying in the desert for another weekish or so. so. Or whenever. However yeah. long we decide. Masamenos. <laughs> so... When you're done listening, or maybe pause right now, because you don't want to go all the way to the end, call your friend and and tell him to listen in. Well, what we always ask is that if you would be so kind, please leave a review of the Stressless Camping Podcast on Apple Podcasts. And the reason is, when Apple sees that a lot of folks are leaving reviews, it means that people are listening and they go, oh, this podcast is getting a lot of traction and they tend to push it a little harder. And the more people listen, the more we can get you better discounts, the more awesome guests we can find and all of that. So it really does benefit you. So if you'd be so kind, go visit Apple Podcasts and tell them that you listen to the Stressless Camping Podcast. And that you like it. (laughs) Yeah, and that you like it. I mean, obviously, we'd love a five-star review, but I'm, you know, be honest. Right. And if you want to find any of the social places we're on, you can start at www.stresslesscamping.com, and that'll link you into all the discounts, all the deals, and all the other places that we are. And if you don't want to miss a future episode of Stressless Camping Podcast, it's free! You can subscribe at any podcast app, and we're saving you a seat around our virtual campfire. Thank you again for joining us this week. We really appreciate your being here with us, and... Happy camping! We hope you learned a lot, had some fun, and got some tips for your next stressless camping adventure. We're honored by your reviews on Apple Podcasts, which helps others find us too. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss out on the adventure. And we look forward to your joining us next week. Until then, happy camping!